0: Hola y bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes, y presidente de su mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito San Dieguito, aka Bobby Ball aka Bobby Barrels. Not with us today but job or no job dead or alive per usual. We properly salute our boy. Yes, 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 yes. Whoo. Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It is as simple as that. So, a very pleasant good morning to you on the 12th day. Is it the 12th or the 13th? It's the 13th. The 13th day of September 2023. Now, Giuseppe Pepe Manuele, wanting to make sure I'm in the right setting. It says I am, dude. Completely dialed in. even says there's actually an ad banner there. I don't know if there is or isn't, but if this is floating above my head, there should be a QR code here, maybe here. For KTT, one of our proud sponsors, Uh, of course, it's uh, very imperative. We talked about this with Will last night on the show to get yourself some chafe safe. Want to keep our package tight, neat, uh, absolutely uh, clean. I think that's really important. And so, if you're going to be out there in the hot ass weather, dealing with whatever you're dealing with, if you're active for whatever or in whatever capacity it could be a little pickleball it might be uh running and in will's case hey the guy likes to kill animals i'm not gonna judge him blister prevention another big one for all of our runners and hikers anybody looking to get out there and bang the trails uh, don't forget your skin prep wipes though and it pretty much has to do with removing the dirt oil and lotions for kt and then this is the new stuff that has just got everybody a buzz, man the pro oxygen it increases cellular oxygenation high strength water resistant adhesive ultra breathable synthetic fabric so go ahead and Pick yourself up some KT tape using that QR code if it exists. I don't know. Firing open the chat this morning. Uh, Giuseppe Pepe says no banner. Dude, don't know what to tell you, bro. Uh, John Davis, Collierville, Tennessee. Good morning, J.D. Still pissed I missed you out in Memphis when we were there. But if you're just joining the show for the first time, we're live, we're interactive, typically we'll... Shoot this at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. And then we upload to all the, I don't know, 17 platforms that we go on afterwards, including, though, the Believe Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, as well as Caffeine TV. Mm. What a a good way to start the show. So beagreatteacher.com. By the way, I have no idea what the fuck's happened to them. <laughs> they have been such a strong supporter of the show for so long. But I don't know if somebody stopped updating their website or what. But the last daily fun facts that we like to go over was September 11th. So not there. But don't worry about it. Because I found some other corny shit that we get to start our day off with. It's called laughter. It's the best medicine, and that is true. Kevin walks into a bar in Boston, and he orders three shots of scotch. He solemnly downs each one, pays up, then leaves. The next day, he does the same. On the third day, the bartender asks, why the three shots? Well, says Kevin, it's one for me, one for each of my brothers, Dennis in Seattle and Hank in Dallas. It makes me feel like we're still drinking together. But last, excuse me, but a month later, Kevin orders only two shots of scotch. I hate to ask, says the bartender, but did one of your brothers die? No, no, says Kevin. I've just decided to stop drinking. Fucking brilliant. Uh, Once there was a man named Odd. All his life, he was teased and mocked because of his strange name. It got so bad that on his deathbed, he insisted that his headstone be blank, lest he live with that name for all eternity. He got his wish. The day of his funeral, the gravedigger arrived looking for the correct plot. When he spotted the blank headstone, he scratched his head and thought, that's odd. Oh, it's so bad they're good. No one in the history of the English language has ever said anything respectful, following, with all due respect. That is fucking true. Very, very true. How about this one? I'm a positive person. To me, going bald is not about hair loss. It's about face game. It's not a receding hairline. It's an advancing facial frontier. It's exciting. One day, I'll have a whole head of face. Oh, man. I mean, I guess this really is like the official dad joke destination. All right. Uh, Country music star, Zach Brown, arrested. This is interesting because he's got the number one song out right now. So a police report obtained by ABC News sheds light on the circumstances surrounding the country music star, Zach Brown's arrest in Oklahoma. Brian's private security was in an SUV and Brian was driving a pickup truck when the SUV was pulled over for allegedly speeding on Thursday evening. According to the police report, the SUV driver pulled over at the traffic stop. Then Brian got out of the car and wanted to see what was going on and see what was taking so long. Well, Bertram informed the mail that he needed to get back into the truck. So Brian was driving the truck, which he did not comply. The report said for a second time, Bertram who's the officer told the driver to get back into the truck And that he's interfering with police duties. And that if he did not comply, he was going to go to jail. Brian responded by saying, I'll go to jail. Let's do it. At the time, Bertram removed his handcuffs and placed the male under arrest. While in handcuffs, according to police, Brian told the officer he wasn't doing anything wrong. Brian also allegedly told the trooper that, quote, arresting him is why people do not like police officers. Brian allegedly told the trooper that if he would let him out of the handcuffs, that he would get back in his truck while also stating, if you don't, it is going to be a mistake, sir, I promise. Okay, see, that's when he was fucked. This is the second time this has happened in three days. The fucking cops are out of control. This is Bryant's rant, uh, according to the report. Brian asked if he could call his dad to pick up the truck. The father said Brian's father allegedly spoke with Bertrand. Does she not? know, honey, I'm on the Daily Hustle. You cannot call me when I'm on the Daily Hustle. That's my wife calling, by the way. Uh, Brian's father allegedly spoke with Bertram, again, asking about the arrest. I was informed that the phone was on speaker and that there would be no assumption of privacy for any statements made. The report said Brian's father also allegedly said he would be calling the governor. Hey, man, they're trying to pull out all the stops. Uh, And Tara says, call ASAP. Okay. Uh, In a nearly five-minute video on social media, Brian took responsibility for the incident and said he was mouthing off and acted like an idiot. I pray everyone knows I don't think. She needs uh, photos of Callie's vax records. I don't know. I'm on the Daily Hustle. Can't do it, honey. Uh, In the video posted on social media, Brian said the handcuffs were placed too tight. The trooper was like, they aren't supposed to be comfortable. That is a good point. Oh, anyway, uh, Brian Curley has the number one song in America, I Remember Everything, with a duet with Casey Musgroves, according to the report. And it also says in the video, Brian said he had a prior run-in of law enforcement three days prior, and he was putting handcuffs for allegedly not giving his address to the officer who stopped him. Brian was able to move on without incident. Look, <clears throat> What part of don't fuck with the cops do we need to go over here? Like It's pretty basic. And there needs to be a respect for law enforcement element in our world that I don't care who the fuck you are you don't mess with it's just not one of those things that you're able to oh i'm such and such i did like that immediately if i'm a cop i'm like fuck off and think about this human nature though it's not just the cops and i'm going to side with the police officer for this one the bottom line is that if you're a police officer you know that you basically have a target on your fucking head from call it 90% of society are just skittish of officers, right? And you pull somebody over, you don't know, at least in your mind, you're thinking, I look, I'm vulnerable. I'm, especially if I'm by myself, I pull somebody over, I'm giving a speedy ticket. Now I got a truck behind me going, yo, what's taking so long? What's taking so long? Who the fuck are you? I'm writing a ticket, bitch. Leave me alone. And then the guy from behind keeps mouthing off. And you're like, dude, I'm trying to perform my job. I'm writing your buddy a ticket. Get back in your vehicle, sir. Otherwise, you're going to go to jail. And then he says, oh, yeah, well, I'll go to jail. Okay, you want to go to jail? Let's fucking go. And you handcuff him. You stuff and come, you throw them in the back of the uh of the car, and you know where I'm going? I'm going to fucking jail. I would, I don't care if it's Zach Bryan or Luke Bryan or fucking Brian Gumble. It doesn't matter to me. The guy's gone. So remember this. It's just a lesson in mm, common sense. And look, I think Zach Bryan's a badass. I really do. I really, I love his music. He's amazing. But at the same time, you can't be an idiot. You just can't. So I don't side with him on this. Now, what do you do next time? You get pulled over. I can understand you pulling over to the side of your buddy and just kind of say like, yo, uh, you know, this is my security detail. It's got pulled over. Sorry about it. You know, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I mean, multiple run-ins in three days? Uh Uh-uh. That sounds like an above-the-law type of attitude that just won't fly. Okay, so last night, Pete Crow Armstrong made his big league debut. And the newest big leader, ironically, has ties to the movie Little Big League. So there's 10 things to know about the Cubs' number one prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong. This is fascinating. I plan on doing a no-filter video uh, on this. And whether we put it together off of this DH or not, I just think this is a really, really cool story. Three years after being selected with the number 19 pick in the 2020 draft, Pete Crow Armstrong is on his way to the big leagues. He made his debut last night. Here's 10 things to know about the Cubs' number one prospect and the number 12 prospect in all baseball. And here it is. Number one, Crow Armstrong's parents are both actors. His mom, Ashley Crow, has a long list of roles in movies and television from Minority Report to Heroes. She even has a baseball classic in her credits. She played Billy Haywood's mom, Jenny, In Little Big League. Naturally, that's Crow Armstrong's favorite movie his mom has ever been in. Quote, the only one I can really think of that I've seen in depth is Little Big League. Because I love that movie. Regardless of my mom being in it, Crow Armstrong told the Los Angeles Times in 2020. Quote, it's a great movie. You're damn fucking right it's a great movie, Pete. Meanwhile, his dad... Matthew John Armstrong has been in a variety of TV shows, such as House, The Young and the Restless, and American Horror Story. All right, number two here. In January, MLB Pipeline listed Crow Armstrong as the best defensive player in the minor leagues. Eight months passed, and once it was time to reevaluate which prospects had the best tools, Crow Armstrong's defense remained on top. Plus speed, a strong arm, precision routes in center field, and why Crow Armstrong is considered an elite. Ready for this? I'm not sure I've ever seen it. 80-grade fielder on the 20-80 to scouting scale. 80. So rare to find that 80-grade. And for every highlight that I've seen from Pete Crow Armstrong, whether it was a minor leagues or last night on two separate plays, this dude is a fucking savage in the outfield. Number three. Crow Armstrong's extra base power has grown throughout his time in the minors. He recorded 20 homers and 46 extra base hits across 438 at-bats before being called up in 2022. He had 16 homers and 36 extra base hits across 423 at-bats. It seems like that power is most often on display when the bases are loaded. Crow Armstrong has cranked four grand slams this season. This is unheard of, including one on the 16th pitch of an at-bat he blasted two grand slams and the week prior to his promotion this goes to show you this dude ain't afraid of the big stage the bright lights any sort of large shitty that he's got to go and play in he lives for the moment his parents are fucking actors this is nothing four grand slams and how about the one coming on the 16th pitch? Jeez. Uh, Number four here, although he was born in Southern California, Crow Armstrong grew up a Cubs fan. Before the 2020 draft, he told prospects1500.com that Javier Baez is his favorite player to watch. Little did he know that he would be involved in a trade with his favorite player in 2021. I did not know this. Crow Armstrong's Cubs fandom came from his dad, who showed him Kerry Woods' 20. 20- strikeout game when he was a kid crow armstrong even had a wrigley field-esque ivy covered wall in his backyard when he played wiffle ball he got to actually play he got to play at the actual wrigley field in 2019 in the under armor all-american game as he walked stole a base and scored in that game crow armstrong uh, has hit everywhere he's been his lowest ops at any minor league level is 829 in AAA this year his slash line through 200. 14 professional games is 301, 376, 515. This guy is really, really fucking good. Before the 2020 senior season of high school was halted due to the pandemic, Crow Armstrong batted 514 in 10 games with just one strikeout and 42 at-bats. As a junior, he had 426 with three home runs and five triples. Crow Armstrong went to Harvard Westlake in Los Angeles which has become a baseball factory. harvard Wesley has a trio of talented starting pitchers in the majors right now. The Orioles' Jack Flaherty, Braves' Max Freed, and the Guardians' Lucas Giolito. All three were also drafted in the first round straight out of harvard Wesley. It's pretty impressive. Just like Crow Armstrong, Freed went 7th overall, and Giolito went 16th in 2012, and Flaherty went 34th in 2014. Crow Armstrong played in the same little league as Flaherty. Sherman Oaks, which he has known and has known him since he was seven. Here's the eighth Crow Armstrong fact. Uh, He will now share the field with a player who inspired him at a younger age. Cubs shortstop Dansby Swanson. Although he never attended college, Crow Armstrong initially committed to Vanderbilt and told Baseball Prospect Journal that he became a fan of the Commodores as a kid watching Swanson play for the National Powerhouse. Swanson was drafted number one overall out of Vandy in 2015. Swanson, by the way, he's going on to have a really nice career. And I, last I checked, he was playing well for the Cubs, his first year out of Atlanta. But that was a guy where I questioned that number one pick. I was like, yeah. I I don't know how you guys would feel, but basically, and I get this is probably very A judgmental of me, but if I have the number one pick, I want them to look like Ellie Daily Cruz. Now, let's just say body structure—that's what I want out of out of my number one pick. If I have the tenth pick of the draft, I take Dansby Swanson, right? A great player who had a great career at Vanderbilt, but. To have the one and two and go Dansby Swanson to Alex Bregman. It's like, what the fuck? Did we really just see the first and second pick of the draft be a couple of like 510, 511 white guys? Like that. And look, I don't care about color. I mean, really, I, that just obviously means absolutely fucking zero. But. The body structure and type. Like, dude, I want a 6'4 fucking stallion that runs a 6'3". That's LED the cruz. I mean, you want them. John Hart used to say it all the time. This is what they look like. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, Drew Jones. When I was looking at last year's draft, as opposed to Jackson Holiday, And this is where, if I were a scout, I would have to get more in tune and not be so mesmerized by overall athletic ability. And I would have to realize that one of the big things in baseball is bat to ball skill. And so Jackson holiday, obviously had these crazy or has these crazy bat to ball skills. And I, these same sort of thing with Pete Crow arms right now. I don't, I can't tell how big he is, it You know, it's what his actual dimensions say. But he doesn't look that big. I He doesn't at all. Like, he's, you know, pretty mediocre size. But watching him in the outfield, it's just fucking impressive. I mean, it is really, really good. Left-handed thrower. I imagine a left-handed hitter. But he's going to be fun watching for the Cubs as they go ahead and Fight their way into the playoffs. Now, the other thing about Chicago is there's a good chance I'm heading there. Chicago Marathon in a couple of weeks. Going to go out there with KTT. We'll see if uh, this, the whole thing goes down. But what a great city. And what a great time to be in the windy city. You got the Cubs ideally going to the playoffs. You got the Bears now in full season. You got Notre Dame down the road. Uh, if, not like it's not that. If I ran there, I it's like ninety miles, something like that. So, anyhow, hoping to get out to Chicago. Uh, last night, the ump in the Phillies Braves game apparently threw blew three pitches in a row. Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler learned a harsh lesson Tuesday night against the Braves. Some of the umpires working in the Major League Baseball are not very good at their jobs. Well, chances are Wheeler knew. Already knew this because he's likely seen it firsthand many times before, but what happened in one Braves at bat against a right-hander was pretty laughable, and it led fans to start ripping the ump. Well, of course, Wheeler threw three consecutive strikes to Braves third baseman Austin Riley during the first inning in Philadelphia. The only problem, the home plate umpire Edwin Moscoso called each of them a ball. So, look, I... They're saying how bad he was all night. The bottom line is this. And I don't want to continue to have these articles every single day and go over. them. Give these umps some help. Whether it comes in the form of a challenge system. Whether it comes in the form of just ball strike, ball strike. Like it's not hard. The simplest solution is to put a fucking thing in their ear. It beeps or it doesn't beep. If it beeps, it's a strike. If it doesn't beep, it's a ball. That's it. We did this experiment in 2016. So seven years ago, it was working flawlessly. If you want to adjust the strike zone to make it a little wider, to make it a little taller, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. But the technology is there. These guys don't deserve it. I'm on the umpire side. Enough's enough. He's not intentionally trying to fuck these guys. Now, if he is, that's on him, right? Like, that's, that, that, that ain't cool at all. But I'm guessing he just missed them. For whatever reason, he's having a tough night. And a lot of these umpires, it's not like they're 25-year-old kids with the most perfect vision in the world. I mean, these dudes are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and it's not easy. So, whatever. Uh, On the same note, and this is our boy, Andy Morris, Amo. Diehard Braves fan. Again, we're live, we're interactive. Amo was on the Deuces Wild show that we did with Will Clark last night talking about the Braves, saying their magic numbers like, two, just something stupid. Look, we need to start talking about Matt Olson when it comes to the National League Most Valuable Player. We have gone into great detail about Ronald Cunha and what he's doing, having a historic season for the Atlanta Braves. We've talked about Mookie Betts and the impact that he has had in Los Angeles and once again, helping the Dodgers have another fantastic year. We've talked about Freddie Freeman, one of the best hitters in all of baseball hitting damn near 340 now. But, Can we now pay attention to Matt fucking Olson? 51 home runs, 127 runs driven in. This dude needs to be in the MVP talk. I'm not sure I can remember an MVP race that has been this deep. Usually it's one or two guys. You might throw a third name in there. I truly believe you could legitimately give it to any of the four of these guys. But quit fucking putting Matt Olson on the back burner, man. This guy is earning it. So it says Andrew Jones had a hunch when Atlanta Braves traded for Matt Olson in 2022, then immediately signed him to a $168 million a year contract. That his season home run record wouldn't last long. I thought Matt would be the guy to break it, Jones said. Uh, One more long ball this year, and Olsen will be alone in the Atlanta record books. Olsen can set the franchise mark of 52 on Wednesday. Should he go deep when the Braves play the Phillies and try to clinch their sixth straight NL East title with a victory? Atlanta's already guaranteed a playoff spot. For at least one night, he's even with Jones at 51. Olsen hit a solo shot in Atlanta's 7-6 win over the Phillies in 10 innings on Tuesday. Tying the team record Jones set in 2005, "quote Way to go, Matt Olson! Proud of you. Keep it going. Get 60." Jones wrote on X, a social media platform formerly known as Twitter. When are we going to stop saying that? By the way, right? I mean, how long does this go? Formerly known as Twitter. That's a cool feeling, Olson said. I watched. Him growing up and know the kind of player he was, it's cool to be mentioned with him. Fuck yeah, man. Andrew Jones is a badass. That's a Hall of Famer, by the way. Olsen hit the first pitch he saw from starter Zach Wheeler in the fourth inning in the left field seats. I mean, he used the whole field. Just, ah, he flick balls out the other way. Philly's a launching pad, by the way, too. Uh, the fan who caught the ball through it back onto the field is Olsen's six home run against the Phillies, breaking a tie with Cincinnati Reds for the most against any team this season. Olson has a, ele- this is, This is getting wild, right? 11 homers in 18 career games at Citizens Bank Park. Think about that. 11 fucking homers in 18 games at Citizens Bank Park. He's a tough at bat, Olsen said about Wheeler. So to be able to get one off him is good. Olsen hit two homers a night earlier against the Phillies. And the milestone 50th had to be retrieved from a fan. Olsen is a sixth player in franchise history with at least 80 extra base hits. He has 128. Ribbies this season, I shorted him one. He has never hit more than 39 homers in a season before this year. It's hard to believe yeah, he played in fucking Oakland, but for a franchise that boasted Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Chipper Jones, Dale Murphy, and a slew of other prodigious, uh, prodigious, prodigious sluggers, Jones and Olsen are the only Braves to hit 50 in a season. Hank Aaron, though, if you go back and look at his stats. He was fucking the most consistent player when it came to hitting that 30 to 40 every single year. I've never seen anything like it. And that's how he got there. Now Bonds did it a little bit of a different way. He had the monster season of 73, and then he had, you know, lower amounts typically earlier in his career, higher amounts later. It was just, it was a little all over the place where you had Hank Aaron, who was just like clockwork. But no, he never hit 50. Olsen, who also has a 10-game mini streak, entered the game on pace for 56 homers and 143 RBIs. He is one of just 15 players since 2000 to reach the 50-homer mark and the first left-handed hitter in the National League to hit 50 since Prince Fielder in 2007. Olsen has eight Home runs in 12 September games. Stay fucking hot. Okay, let's get to the MLB news. The Gigantes lost last night. We were on here. Deuces Wild Alternative Broadcast. And watched the rest of the game, even after we got off. look. Say what you want about the Giants' offense, but I saw one good at bat after another. And as a baseball coach, as somebody who, you know, has coached at that professional level, at least with the bananas and seeing approaches and everything else, and you're evaluating this stuff, this is a type of loss that if I was Gabe Kapler and my offense – you know, rolling back into the clubhouse afterwards. First thing I would do is just like, yo, 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 hey, boys, keep fucking swinging it. Stay right there. Great swings. And that's exactly what it was the last two innings. They had multiple opportunities to score. They were putting the pressure on. It just there were barrels that found gloves. And sometimes it happens. But I'm not really to write the Giants off yet. <laughs> it's it's going to be a very, very tough road for them to find their way into the postseason. So yesterday around the league, it was the Yankees 3-2 over Boston and 4-1. So they swept the doubleheader. They're back above 500. And I, I still don't think anyone gives a shit about this outside of New York. I don't know why I'm so mesmerized with the Yankees streak of years over 500. The fact that they have not been under 500 since 1992 is fascinating. To me, I'm not sure if the rest of the world gives a shit. Maybe they're talking about it in the Yankees' clubhouse. Maybe they're not. But two wins yesterday, bring them back over 500. Uh, White Sox 6-2 over Kansas City. Uh, they played a double dip as well. And then it was 11-10 Kansas City over the White Sox. Pittsburgh 5-1 over Washington. Baltimore goes down to St. Louis. You can't win them all. Baltimore's at 91 wins. Detroit goes down to Cincinnati. So a big win in Cincinnati. For Cincinnati, in Detroit, that went into extra innings. And since he's trying to hang on by a thread as well, it was Atlanta 7-6 over the Phillies, their 95th win of the year. Texas, they needed this. 80-64, they beat the Toronto Blue Jays, the Bluebirds, 6-3 yesterday. The Diamondbacks fall to the Mets 7-4. The Twinkies 3-2 over Tampa. Milwaukee, 3-1 over Miami. And by the way, it, it was Milwaukee's GM, uh, Stearns, is gone. The Mets hired him away. So that's a big loss for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's been competitive seemingly every single year uh, since he's been there. So good hire by the Mets and big loss for Milwaukee. A 6-2 over Houston. On the road, who would have fucking guessed that? They beat Justin Verlander. And then it was the Colorado Rockies, 6-4 over the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs are pretty comfortable in that second spot in the NL Wild We'll take a look at that in a minute. Seattle 8-0 over Anaheim. I mentioned Cleveland beating the Giants 3-1. And then last night in L.A., Big Brother beat up on Little Brother, 11-2. The Dodgers spanked the San Diego Padres. Okay, taking a look at the standings. We got the O's on top of the East, three ahead of Tampa. The Twins, seven and a half up on the Guardians. Guardians are fucking done. The Astros, just one up on the Rangers. Just when you thought they were pulling away, uh uh-uh. Seattle's a game and a half back. The Rangers are a game back, so that's going to come down to the wire. National League. Braves with 95 wins are 16 up on the Phillies. Their magic number is now 2. They can clinch the NL East with a win tonight. Brewers 81 and 63 are 4 games up on the Cubs. So that Cubs loss last night hurt. Dodgers 88 and 56 are 13 games up on the Diamondbacks. The wild card picture is the Rays, Rangers and Mariners and Blue Jays. Holy shit. Everyone's tied the Rays And then the Rangers are just a half game up on the Mariners and the blue Jays. So one of those is going to be on the outside. looking. if you're wondering if you're a Red Sox and Yankees fan, if there's any chance at this point, the answer to that question is that both of you guys are 73 and 72. And it is fuck. No, when it comes to your chances, Ah. Uh, National League mentioned the Braves, Dodgers, and Brewers are on top. And then the wild card teams currently would be the Phillies. So they're pretty much, I don't say shooing, but what there's 17-18 games left. They're plus three and a half on the wild card. The Cubs are plus two on the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks hold a third spot. But this is where it just gets really interesting. Because you have the Reds, the Marlins, and the Giants all within a game in a half. Uh let's see if there's any other big news around major league baseball before wrapping this thing up. Hmm. Oh Scherzer hurt. No bueno. And Freddie celebrates his birthday with a homer and four hits. I mean can we he is just let's take a look at Freddie Freeman and his stats. He is right up there it needs to be mentioned in absolutely every MVP conversation as well. Let's see. Go to the box score. And our guy, Freddie Freeman, after four hits last night, is hitting 339, a 995 OPS, 26 homers, 18 stolen bases. Let's not forget about that. I think Freddie's going to get fucked because a couple things. He doesn't have the homers and he doesn't have the RBIs. But overall, this is where batting average is going to get put aside. They're going to be like, eh, whatever. Here's my alarm, by the way. Um, I said for 40 minutes from the start of the show. So Giuseppe Pepe and Manuele just lets me know I got about five more minutes to finish this thing off. I didn't hit it yesterday. I wanted to hit it. I think uh, it's very important. Uh, kind of week one takeaways, 49ers, best team in the NFL, Packers talented around Jordan Love. Just a few just notes about the NFL and what was going on there. 49ers were the best team in the league. This, of course, is always subject to change. But the complete suffocation of the Steelers in Pittsburgh, no less, was something to behold. And the numbers really do tell you everything that you need to know. At one point in the second quarter, the disparity in yards was 199 to 1. Oh, good God. The Steelers picked up their initial first down with a 116 left in the first half. But then we're down 20 to nothing. Through three quarters, the Niners had 334 yards to the Steelers. 133, 19 first down to Pittsburgh's nine, and nearly 30 minutes of possession. The break, the beatdown was so tough that Nick Bosa, playing just three days after reporting to San Francisco to sign a brand new five year, $175 million extension, we'll have more on that on the side of Monday, was able to play every snap and adhere to the Niners' plan to pace him a bit simply because the Steelers had so few offensive plays that there was no need to pull him from the game. And it's not a mistake either. Next to Bosa was big ticket free agent, Javon Hargrove. And behind him was Fred Warner, who looked like a create a player in this game. The secondary had Chadavius Ward and Tolnoa Hufunga, who both had picks. And the offense has the best left tackle in the last 10 years and Trent Williams, and an embarrassing of skill position of riches, obviously here, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. We've known that. Quote, I kind of say this every year just because of how confident I am in our front office and our coaches and the players that we have, Bosa told me after the game. But adding Javon Hargrove and Kylen Farrell and a few of the other guys, I just knew we were going to be back talent-wise In 2019, back to talent wise 2019, or I think better, even with depth, it was tough not to be a part of training camp because every year we're expected to go the whole way. At least based on what you can take from week one, I'd say it's a pretty fair exception. And especially if Brock Purdy keeps playing the way he did a 111.3 QB rating in Pittsburgh, Brock Purdy was fucking fantastic one more thing uh bad beats are not cool but they're kind of fun and highly entertained we know dr ppr the great henry Markin, typically will uh, bring up a bad beat or two so let's go ahead you know just for fun's sakes and try this one right here bizarre Bad Beats, Seattle quarterback Geno Smith, OMG moment, provided us with a fitting way to capture the reactions of betters who suffered bad beats in week one of the 2023 NFL season. Several of the worst bad beats in week one occurred after wild last second plays that burned investors. The bizarre scoop and score contributes to the misery for under betters. The only game of the early Sunday slate that went over the total in the early slate did so in unbelievable fashion. With Jacksonville leading the game 17-14 to in the third quarter, the Jaguars players gave up on a play they believe was a simple, incomplete pass. Never hearing a whistle. An opportunistic Colts defense slapped the ball out of the hands of Tank Bigsby. Defensive tackle to Foster Buckner scooped up the ball and returned it to the house for a fucking touchdown. The wild seven-point play had a major impact on the final betting outcome, factoring heavily into the game, eventually surpassing the posted number of 45. Oh, I watched that. And it's almost like I thought they were going to say that, Because he gave himself up and just like, I'm done. I don't know. I didn't know what to think. But the officials are getting better at not blowing the whistle. And so he has the ball fucking scooped out of its hand. Now, the interesting thing is, that's the only game that went over in the early slate. Everyone's got to step back for a minute. And I think Vegas has got to step back for a minute because Sharps are going to hammer the fucking under. I mean, they're notorious for hammering the under anyway, but they're going to hammer the under unless those totals are adjusted. So I there was 10-4 and four in the 14 games on Sunday, because I talked about uh, that earlier. It's just, hey, early in the season, it takes a little bit to get these offenses going, especially because in the preseason, there's not a whole lot of full contact going on. There's not a whole lot of full speed. And, you know, when you get out there, things get a little more difficult. Things speed up. So anyhow, that was one of the bad beats. Let's close this Wooden Wednesday out with none other than John Wooden. One of the coolest books ever. Great quotes by great leaders. And then, of course little inscription from my dad towards greater success and enjoyment. Let's talk about the gift that keeps on giving. So, Wooden Wednesday is something I started after I wrote the effort list. By the way, we are sponsored by the Daily Hustle 222 as long as, as, well, as well as the Fuck It List, Life Lessons from a Human Crash Chest Dummy. So the Wooden Wednesday thing actually started after I wrote the effort list and then started the Daily Hustle blog that I send out five days a week. And then every Wednesday would be Wooden Wednesday. So we'd grab a quote and we'd explore it and whatever else and celebrate one of the greatest coaches who has ever lived. And by the way, go to ericburns.com, sign up for the email list. I haven't sent an email in almost like two weeks now, but trust me, they're coming back. I've been writing the Let Them Play, a parenting, coaching, and playing guide to use sports. Just finishing that up, and then we'll get back into doing the blog on a daily basis. Uh, but you could pick up the Effortless as well as Daily Hustle two twenty two, and then you can also grab yourself a Foot Reflexology board. But they're not back in stock until the twenty third of September, so be patient with me on that, and apologize for those who have ordered and haven't got them. So, John Woodham. A keen student of the game and master motivator, John Wooden was one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. He led his teams at the University of California, Los Angeles, to a record 10 championships. As a player at Purdue University, Wooden earned All American honors in 1930, 31, and 32. He coached high school basketball before serving in the U.S. Navy during World War II. After the war, he became the head basketball coach and athletic director of Indiana State Teachers College. He was appointed the head coach of UCLA in 1948. At UCLA, he parlayed the talents of such stars as Luelle Cinder, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Gil Goodrich, and Bill Walton into virtual college basketball dynasty. His teams won a record seven straight NCAA championships from 1967 to 1973, from 1971 to 1974 as well. UCLA won 88 consecutive games a college basketball record. John Wooden is the only person named to the Basketball Hall of Fame as both a player and coach. That's shocking. Okay, let's rip through some of Wooden's best and send you guys on your way. Things turn out the best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. Oh, now it's really time to end the show. Not without a couple more John Wood nuggets, so. Ability is a poor man's wealth. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Adversity is a state in which man most easily becomes acquainted with himself. Be prepared. Be honest. Never mistake activity for achievement. Consider the rights of others before your own feelings and the feelings of others before your own rights. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Failure is not fatal, but failure to change might be. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. We'll end with that. All right, uh, Daily Hustle. Tomorrow I have a flight, so I will not be here with the daily hustle at the normal scheduled time. Uh, We'll try to knock it out at some point throughout the day, maybe even crush something tonight uh, before crashing out. So I'll figure it out, but just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank all the new supporters from Caffeine TV, Bleed Podcast Network. And it's been uh, cool to get all the feedback. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. They really help hit the five stars. if. Uh, You're feeling generous. Uh, We would all much appreciate that. That's it. Much love to everybody. And uh, one more thing. See ya!